Welcome to Comics Deserve Better. We are coming at you from the other side. The world did not end this weekend. Yo, like, shout out to Nevada, Pennsylvania, Georgia, especially Georgia. Flipping, like, Arizona just came fucking through. Awesome. um, Mm -hmm. We... I don't know, maybe we, I mean, there's still lots of, lots of shit. We're still in a pandemic, but I mean, I feel, I feel a little bit of hope finally for the first time in like I need a little bit of hope. So. Yeah. Still yeah. a lot of shit to do, but tiny little bit of hope. Nice, you know, a little bit of fresh air is really nice right now. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know. And it's, it's cool just, you know, watching these people just, cry and lose their their goddamn minds and like it's 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 fun i mean i'm not i'm not i'm not reaching over the aisle i'm not shaking any hands i'm just like fuck you guys you know you 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 know you're you're against basic human rights um you you, like pretty much you wanted to take away my rights so i don't care you know you guys go cry thanksgiving is gonna be really fun i'm actually really looking forward to thanksgiving (laughs) all right Okay, cool. But yeah, this is a podcast about comics, so not politics, but politics can be a part of comics, of course. Politics are very much a part of comics. Oh, Anyone who tells you they're not is a fucking idiot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the site I write for is all about politics and comics, so <laughs> it's like pretty much, yeah, cool. All right, so yeah, with me today are Brian. Hey, everybody. And Darcy. Hello. So we we had a lot of good, a lot of cool comics news this week. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start off from the top. Uh, this week, as part of my actually as part of my day job, um, I got to attend Library Con, which was like a kind of virtual Comic Con geared towards librarians. And lots of great creators were there. Lots of good publishers. Image was there. DC, um, all the like Macmillan, Penguin, like pretty much everyone was there. It was cool. It was like a virtual Comic Con experience. And one of probably my favorite part of the day was there was a Q&A with Kieran Gillen. And I'm just like, I don't care. I'm just going to ask the fanboy questions. And in this Q&A, I found out that the last arc of Die is going to be the final one. So Brian, I think Brian mentioned this in an earlier episode. So it might end at issue 20. He did not confirm that, but shit. I mean, <laughs> why not? But yeah, the last arc of Die is going to be the last one. And Kieran Gillen also said that his, he wants his next project to be a kind of an original graphic novel for Image, kind of like what Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips did. And yeah, so excited about that. And cool. So Brian, do you have any news for us? Sure. Well, uh, first of all, yeah, anything with Kieran Gillen, whatever he wants to do, I'm definitely going to follow and check it out. But um but on the news that I have here is that uh, the wacky and heartfelt adventures of Mariposa have been greenlighted for a gre- for a live action TV show on Freeform. Uh, the Scout comic series Hench Girl by Kristen Gutsnuck tells the story of the of the day to day mundane life of someone who works for a supervillain. The show the showrunner is Lindsay Shockley, who worked on Blackish, and scripts are written by Alex Ebel, who previously worked on another comic book property, Deadly Class. So, sounds pretty good to me. Like it's in good hands. Um, I've I haven't read the Hench Girl series yet, but I've heard many good things. So I'm actually really excited about this. And is this live action or animated? It's going to be live action. Cool. Okay. All right. So it's awesome. 
and Freeform used to be like what Disney Family and ABC Family, ABC Family, yeah, all those channels. So, sounds it sounds like a good place for it. Yeah, they did a Cloak and Dagger show, and I don't know, very interesting, but it's it's cool. It's cool they're getting out of the the Disney Marvel wheelhouse. Yeah, bit. definitely. Yeah, I like Gunduck's art a lot. I liked she did this book called Modern Fantasy with Raver Roberts, and she just has this cute, you know, quirky style. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. excited. Sure. And um, Making Friends is one that's always been on my list that I've been wanting to read. Yeah. By, by Gunsnick. Cool. Yeah. Get that bag, please. Um, and Darcy, you had uh, one bit of news for us this week. Um, yeah, there is a podcast called Bubble. Um, if you have not listened to it, it is a Maximum Fun scripted podcast. Uh, basically about it's a post-apocalyptic comedy podcast about people who live in the city under a bubble specifically one girl who used to live outside of the bubble but when she was a child her and a bunch of other kids got brought inside Uh, they call them bush babies uh, (laughs) which is kind of like offensive to a couple of them others kind of think it's funny Uh, and Uh, they're kind of, as adults, they kind of know the outside world a little bit better, so they uh, join this app called Hunter, but it's only the R, no ER, it's just the R like Tinder, Um, (laughs) and they hunt outside monsters for, like, money and shit, Uh, and it's kind of reminiscent of, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer-ish, and it's really funny, it's really well done, it's got, like, some semi-famous people on it, and it's being turned into a comic, and I really love this podcast. It's really, really great, hilarious, great Foley work. Um, I love scripted podcasts like I love my radio shows, so I'm incredibly stoked about this. It's written by kind of the same person or one of the same people that's on the podcast, Jordan Morris. Uh, Sarah Morgan is doing the art, and Tony Cliff is on it as well, so it's a graphic novel slated to come out in July 13th, 2021. Cool. And I'm crazy about it. So I'm super excited. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a concept that would translate well to comics. And yeah, and, and this isn't like, because I know that was it the Adventure Zone and like Critical Role have been comics. Mm-hmm. So it's nice they're getting out of the, the D&D realm. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, a few of them have come out. I, I know several. What was that? Uh, the Adventure Hour, I think, did too. Oh, Throwing Adventure Hour, yeah. Yeah, it came yeah. up from Image, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Acker and Blacker have done, like, quite a few comics, um, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Yeah, I think that might have been the first one. That was a while ago. I believe so, yeah, it was quite a while ago, but yeah. it was still, I, I read a couple of them, it was still pretty good, so. For sure. Yeah, I think, shoot, I don't want to, I think maybe even Doc Shaner might have done the art for that, but yes. I don't know, it was a long time ago, I don't really yeah, remember. I don't remember either. But, my they, brain's they, really crap. <laughs> they, 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 I just, yeah, they, they started to cast them. Um, yeah, so I have some, probably my favorite, I'm just going to say this is my favorite news item of the week. Um, so yeah, if you've read any comics, you probably know who Grant Morrison is. And they, they did, they uh, just came out as non-binary in this interview with Amondo 2000. And it's cool. And, you know, honestly, like, if you read a lot of their work on Doom Patrol and Invisibles, you can definitely see them kind of grappling with this, with their identity. And, and even like stuff like, yeah, just anything in the, in the 90s, maybe not Justice League, JLA so much, even though JLA is really weird. But, uh, but yeah, I was really excited. 
I know like they're not working on any indie books right now. They're just doing, I think, TV stuff and Green Lantern and Wonder Woman Earth uh, one. But they've done indie comics in the past. And it's just, I just had to, I had to, I just shout out, you know, I just shout out Grant. So that was just awesome. It's just like, whoa, so happy, so thrilled. <laughs> this information belongs here and it's great to hear as well. Yeah. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm really glad that um, Kuda. I, I, talk, I talk shit on CBR, especially the past few years a lot, but kudos to CBR for reaching out to Grant and their people about pronouns. So Grant is now using they, them pronouns. Nice. And it's good for all non-binary people in comics, in the comics fandom. It's nice to have somebody very that large, that important in the community as yeah. representation. Yeah, it's super cool. Very important, too. Very cool. Super exciting. Uh, Brian, you had, a, had some more news. Oh, yeah. Uh, another adaptation. Um, so production company All Nighter, who is responsible for shows like The Expanse and The Witcher, have optioned the image comic Luther Strode with plans to make it a, into a movie. Uh, Luther Strode is about a kid who finds out about the plans of an ancient deadly cult um, and it is up to him with his newfound strength and agility to stop them. Uh, the, the series was created by Justin Jordan and Trad Moore, and uh, Jordan will be handling the script. Awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, so, I haven't, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was like, so Luther Strode, I always thought it was by Colin Bunn. So I, that tells you how much I knew about this. So I definitely have to, to, to peek into this. I, I love Trad Moore, so I'm excited to yeah. check this out. Yeah, I don't think there's been a Tradmore book that I haven't really enjoyed. Uh, I just got that that big Silver Surfer thing, tre- treasure thing, and I'm like really excited to dig into it. So. Oh, that the black, the Silver yeah, Silver Surfer black, black, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I get Luther Strode mixed up. There's this older like it was called Luther Arkwright from mm-hmm. Brian Talbot. It's like a multiverse uh, jumping spy, and I always would get those mixed up. But I guess they're not similar at all. No. <laughs> Yeah. So also, yeah, speaking of um, cool kind of movie TV connections, uh, Steve Scrochi, who um, probably familiar with his work, he, he's in a lot of comics. He did. I think most recently we stand on guard with Brian K. Vaughn, but he's most folks know him from uh, he did the uh, did the storyboards for the Matrix movies. He has a new series coming out from Image called he's writing and drawing it. Dave Stewart's handling the colors called Post-Americana, and it's like a dystopian book. Basically, there's this, <laughs> called The Bubble, there's this um, military base that was built to, you know, house the uh, United States government if anything crazy happened, but um, they didn't get to this base, and instead, super rich people got to the base. And it's kind of set in the future, and one of the super rich people has named themselves president, and is trying to take over the rest of the the uh, dystopian wasteland that's the United States. And then there's like a, a female hero who's trying to take him down. And it looks really cool. And also um, the final order cutoff of comic book stores was supposed to be this week, but it got pushed back another week. So more folks had order it. So there is rumors about being like a movie or a TV show or just, I don't know, Steve Scrooge is a really good artist and people are excited about it. And also I feel like it seems like it kind of speaks to what's going on right now. Like I could totally like, like these like super rich people in COVID with their their yachts and their complexes and stuff. So, yeah. 
I wonder how the creative environment is going to change in the next couple of years now that we've had a regime change, you know, like with, you know, just an absolute different vibe in, in the seat of president. So I wonder if these post-apocalyptic stories might not be as popular in a couple of years. Because I don't know. Like, They're, uh, yeah. Post-apocalyptic was popular before, popular after. I don't think Trump changed much creative. Right. I mean, Hunger Games yeah. came. I mean, Hunger Games came out during the Obama administration. But there's more yeah. hope now, though. You know. I mean, so yeah. There might be some more positivity in like in no. in stories going forward. No. Mm. Well, and and I mean, the thing <laughs> no. is, like, there's still a pandemic, and I feel like yeah, that's that, true. that that just that's going to be like, even though I mean, folks are going to try to maybe avoid like, I mean, it'll be directly you know, reference and things like it's even getting reference in sitcoms like like Superstore and shit. But yeah. I think it'll, it'll be kind of like that background radiation and everyone's writing kind of like, like, you know, a nuclear war, war was like during the 80s and you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. I mean, the, I mean, the nuclear, I mean, nuclear eras in the origin stories of all like the Marvel heroes, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's just going to be like a background anxiety. And then, yeah, and then yeah. just, you know, people losing their jobs and recessions and yeah i think mm-hmm. i think we're still gonna get we'll talk about it in a second but it was already a background anxiety yeah 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 it's been it's just i mean i was eight when the twin towers went down so like pretty mm-hmm. much my whole life has been forever war um we already had SARS. we had h1n1 we had mers we billionaires i think it was already a concern yeah, yeah for sure so yeah i think yeah and also just like steve scrochy killing the game so I'm excited. And then I think I had one last bit of news. It's more, it's more happy, happy stuff. I actually just got this press release um, this afternoon from Dark Horse. There's going to be, in 2021, there's going to be a miniseries called Young Hellboy, The Hidden Land. And it's basically, it's set in 1947. It's written by Mike McNeil, of course. Uh, Tom Snagowski is co-writing it. Craig Russo is doing the art. And basically, it's going to be Hellboy and his, you know, adopted father, Professor Brudenholm on this island. Um, they're trying to go to an archeological site, but they get stranded on this island. And there's gonna be all kinds of crazy, like uh, all kinds of vampire, in the press release it talks about like vampire queens, dinosaurs, giant ape gods, and a character called the sky devil. So it's really cool. Um, it's cool. And if you, you know, Hellboy is one of those properties like that um, I always feel like intimidated because there's so many stories and but this is like set like early in his career. So I feel like mm-hmm. this is one you could just jump in and, and enjoy. Um, yeah. Hellboy is pretty good at being standalone regardless too. So, you know, it's always good to, to jump into a Hellboy story, even if you don't know what's going on. Also, he's just so cute when he was a kid. Like, Oh yeah. He, there was that one Midnight Circus that came out a few years ago that was really fucking good. Is um, it the pancakes one or? I don't, I think that, maybe it might just be a short story um but he was like it was like right at right after um you know the after like world war ii and he's like trying to get used to you know his new life and he like runs off at the circus and it's really good should definitely check it out maybe we'll do a podcast about it i don't know it's it's definitely standalone (laughs) and it does all like the the like pd barnum circus tropes but like humanizes them and stuff and i think i think mignola did the art for it for it too so because I know he doesn't draw as much anymore, which mm-hmm. I don't blame him. Cool. All right. So, yeah, I think we're going to move on to the quick hits. So, uh, Brian, what was your quick hit for this week? 
Uh, so my quick hit is win number five uh, from Boom Studios, written by James Tim the Fourth, with um, Michael Dylanes on art and editive uh, Bidikar lettering. Um, so wind, this is the last of the story, a bit of the story arc um, of the first story arc. And so just real quick, it's uh, it's about a, uh, the story of a boy with pointy ears who must flee the town that he lives in due to the bigotry against and banning of all magical beings. So the, the first story arc uh, comes to a close with this issue uh, with an expected confrontation and a couple unexpected deaths. So Wynn must finally come to terms with who he is in order to save his travel companions and friends from death and for some fates much worse. Um, all this, plus a surprising reveal of just who the adversarial bandaged man has left me pining for more at the end. The, the line work and colors give this book an all-ages light fantasy feel, while the dark themes and story nicely juxtaposes itself over the art's friendly and wholesome feel. It sounds nice. Yeah, like, so it's just like a straight-up fantasy book? It, it really is, and, but it has definitely a lot of social... Um, you know, implications and social, you know, commentary in it because it's a, definitely deals with bigotry and and being judged on who people perceive you as instead of who you are. It's like a whole point of years thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. And and then the main character is has heard only horror stories about magical beings, so he's actually literally afraid of who he is um, during the first story arc. So that's the, you know he has to kind of just kind of get over that and and kind of get and accept himself for who he is in order to to be a hero did that didn't that pixar movie that came out this year deal with bigotry in a fantasy setting and um i know that onward was in fantasy but i don't know if i i'm not too sure uh, if it was about bigotry because it's kind of ironic because chris pratt was a star oops yeah <laughs> But that, that sounds really cool. I definitely want to check it out. I didn't. I think. I, I mean. I know. I know Tanian and then uh, they and Dialinus. They did. They did the book The Woods. That was really good. A few years back, I had heard of Wind, but I had no idea what it was about. But I love fantasy, so I might have to check this one out. Especially, I guess the trades coming up soon. So yeah, cool. Thanks. Thanks for a recommendation, uh, Darcy. What was your quick hit this week? Uh, my quick hit was Origins number one. Also, a quick shit out, shout out, shit out, Jesus Christ, shout out to <laughs> Kyle, uh, that queer geek on um, Twitter who reminded me this is a thing because I completely forgot about it. Um, so, yay, he posted pictures and I was like, oh yeah, that's a thing. I should go read that. So I did. Gave her positive peer pressure. Oh my God. He is completely and utterly positive peer pressure because I forgot and then I saw pictures and I was like, holy crap, that's pretty. I remember that pretty thing I was going to go read. And so I went and read that pretty thing. And that's kind of what it is because the first issue, you kind of don't learn a whole lot. Essentially, this is an extreme post-apocalypse. The world's like completely gone. Um, And there's one person, one baby who gets brought back to life. Um, because I read the, you know, synopsis, I know that it's by uh, an AI woman. Um, but you kind of don't know that really so much from reading it. Um, and his name is David and you get kind of the slash word and David's grown up a little bit and David's going to, I guess, kind of like revive the world. 
and that's kind of it for issue one. And it really reminded me, um, like if uh, Descender had begun with that uh, Tim 21 waking up issue, it was just really, really interesting. And it throws you in with very little information, but it's a visually compelling world. And I was so interested and I had no idea what was going on, but I wanted to know everything that was happening because I had no clue, but I was so compelled by everything I saw. And it's just gorgeous, all of it. Um, it's a boom book by Clay McLeod Chapman uh, and a couple of other people that I don't have written down. I'm so sorry. I'll no, put it on Twitter. <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah, art's by, uh, actually the notes up, it's uh, Jacob Rabalka, uh, Patricio DePelche handles the colors. And that sounds cool. It, you know, from what your description, it reminds you a lot of like 2001 and like Wally, mm. where it's just this like, you know, silent. It's very Wally, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was definitely getting Wally vibes. That's, mm. that's cool. Um, but prettier because this is very, it's been taken over by nature, whereas Wally's, uh, Wally's earth is very ugly. Poor yeah. Wally. So it's kind of like, I think, I don't know, and I'm getting kind of, uh, in Norse, so Norse mythology, Ragnarok is a thing. Mm. Like everyone knows that. I mean, a whole yeah. movie about mm -hmm. it. But like, no one talks about what happens after Ragnarok. Like the two, the, the children of Thor and the, like the, the two humans who repopulate the earth. And I th I'm thinking like, I'm getting vibes from that, um, that kind of rebirth thing. So that, that's cool. That's awesome. Boom, killing it. As, I mean, as usual. Like, Very much so. Yeah. That's yeah, this awesome. is, it's on my list to read. I, I didn't have a chance to this week, and I'm very excited to check this out, especially after what you just said, Darcy. Yeah, I would recommend it. It's That first issue is definitely something that pulls you in. Yeah, cool. All right, and my uh, my, my quick hit this week was also a new number one. Um, shout out to my editor, Brett, at Graphic Policy, for telling me about this one, because I know this wasn't even my radar. Uh, the book is called Red Atlantis, number one. And it's written by Stephanie Phillips of art by Robert Carey and colors by Rosh. But there's also, um, so basically what, what drew me to this book initially was it's based on the experiences of a Russian intelligence agents. So basically uh, after the Soviet Union um, collapsed in 1991, the KGB was um, replaced with another intelligence agency. And the guy, he has a story credit on this book. His name is, um, Jan Newman, he was part of that. And he learned working in this intelligence agency for decades, like uh, they, 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 they talk about this all in the back matter of the book. He, he was privy to all kinds of crazy, crazy ass secrets and stuff about Russia and intelligence. And, and then he also worked private, you know, security for a while. So he, lots of like sketchy money laundering and stuff. But then he eventually, you know, went to the US and worked for counterintelligence. And I think, and he used um, writing or telling stories and comics as kind of a way to kind of kind of get rid of this kind of burden on his life so yeah so basically yeah red atlantis it the page is the opening page it's set on election day um just they don't say you know what year it is but it's like election day there's early voting there's like you see the art early voting and but then like it's just kind of you know chill vibes and then boom everyone just starts ripping each uh -oh. other's there's a problem please try again uh oh shit <laughs> i was go. That was a Siri. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, the Russians got me. No. Ah. Okay. That nice. That's a helicopter's defense. Uh, that's crazy. But then, then everyone just starts like losing their shit at the 
the polling places and murdering each other. Mm. And Carrie's art is really, he, get, he does violence really well. And yeah, and then there's also a power outage and you get introduced to the main character who uh, seems like just like a normal college student out in Texas, like Houston. Um, but she's really connected maybe to these Russians infiltrating the United States. And there's a really good action scene that apparently Newman and Stephanie Phillips actually did like the actual choreography for the fight before it was translated to comics. So it's like really like good poses and everything. Um, it's like the, it's like the big fight scene, but, but right now, yeah, it's just lots of just, you you don't know what anything what's going on. There's lots of mysteries. Um, there are FBI agents, but then they get, I mean, they immediately get their asses kicked like by the, the Russian dudes. So it's like, it's pretty awesome. So if you're into like spy shit, like the Bourne stuff and the, and the X-Files or, or I don't know, just like you like spy, like weird, going down weird, like conspiracy theory rabbit tra tra holes, like check it out. It's, it's basically, I, I like, it's not, it's kind of similar to Department of Truth, but Department of Truth is more kind of cerebral, more like galaxy brain. But um, I feel like Red Atlantis is more like blood and guts, um, spy craft. Like there's a lot more, just quick violence and um, and I feel like you're more you're more in the dark and it's and it's less like druggy I guess, <laughs> but it's really good. I, I'm really excited. Uh, I'm I'm glad I got it got recommended to me this week because it's a, it's a good time. And I think it's gonna be like a six issue mini series, um, so it's 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 very kind of like movie pacing. So yeah, it's cool. I um, read Stephanie Phillips Butcher Paris before. And so it seems like she really likes the um, kind of like the the fiction in a nonfiction setting, and and this this does sound pretty good. Yeah, and then she she that pirate book for a man uh, of yes. for uh, Which, Top Cow that that's like straight up historical fiction. So. Once again, yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. So yeah. seems like she has her niche. Yeah, and I'm just I don't know I'm just and just like the background behind the book is so cool. Like, cause cause I I saw it cause my my editor posted a Facebook post like about a Russian intelligence agent writing a comic. And I'm like, the fuck? Cause he was like, and I'm like, he said something like, well, there's a CIA agent at DC, but did you know there was a Russian intelligence agent writing a comic? And I'm like, I need the shit right now. And it was Red Atlantis. <laughs> but you don't like know, but until you read the back matter, you don't know. Like there's no credits or anything until the end. So if you just like picked it up at the racks and you're like, oh, well maybe someone that was like actually like it's it's crazy. I hope the guy's safe wherever he is, mm -hmm. and his his wife helped out too, um, and they had like a like a producer. So yeah, it's cool because like yeah, like if you look at the credits, it looks like it's like a like they're trying to do like a film script or something, but it definitely doesn't read that way. All right, so we're speaking of sketchy spy intelligence, whatever stuff. We're moving on to our main course this week, which is. Department H by, we're going to talk about the first volume of Department H by Matt Kent and Charlene Kent from Dark Horse Comics. And this was Darcy's pick. So Darcy, could you give our audience a little kind of background on Department H and why you just, uh, picked it out this week? Okay. So this book is basically a locked room murder mystery that takes place in a world where there is a pandemic so hey relevant uh, and 
you have a family that has been doing a lot to try and figure out kind of a cure and a bunch of other scientific nonsense. Originally, they were stationed in space, but eventually they decided space wasn't very feasible and moved to the ocean. The daughter did not move to the ocean. She instead started doing investigative stuff on land because she's not an ocean person, which is why I like Mia so much because the ocean is terrifying. Um, and the rest of her family went to this uh, deep sea station, um, not including her mother, which you learn more about in volume two. So we won't talk about her. Ooh, good. Um, and uh, so she's on land and her family's in the ocean. And you find out at the very beginning, essentially, that her father has been murdered. So her job as an investigator who understands the, uh, the deep sea station is to go down and find out essentially who did it. She understands the people who work there. She understands the station. She understands the work itself. Uh, so she goes down to figure out who did it. In volume one, you don't find out who did it. You kind of just find out why people are down there, who those people are, and kind of what's going wrong. And that's it. So volume one's kind of interesting. It ends on a cliffhanger, which I love. And you get a good sense of the style and the art, uh, which is kind of why I love it as a book. One, I'm terrified of the ocean. <laughs> I lived on a tropical island for nine years, so everyone thinks that's kind of hilarious, but the ocean is horrifying. Uh, two, I love, I think, very obvious based on what I love so far, the colors in this book. Uh, they're fabulous. It's gloriously colored. Line art's great. You know, Matt did a great job, but let me just tell you, the colors are why I love this book. So it's, the story's good overall. There's a couple of pages here. That page, oh, it's about like six pages in where Mia goes to her ex-boyfriend and there's the panels that separate just briefly. So you see that subtext visually mm -hmm. of their, their past relationship, yeah. just that brief in from blue to brown. Oh, I just adore it. It's just visually so appealing to me. So everything about this book, I really, really enjoy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And just, there's so many like levels of like, one thing I like about this book is there's so many levels of communication going on. Mm -hmm. uh, like there's a scene, it's a pretty tense scene. They're, they're talking to, um, I think Roger on the outside world. Um, they finally patched into some, you know, outside help, um, mm -hmm. Elaine and, and stuff. And it's, and it's wild because like you get, you get, you know, Mia's narration, you get the, the actual kind of, you know, flat, like Tom Clancy, you know, jargony dialogue, just very clinical. And then you get, you know, his hand signals because they, right. they used earlier that, that they use this like hand signal language. I know this book is so good. It's like, Matt Ken is really good at just introducing bits of information like right when you need it. Mm -hmm. And it'll seem like, like the stuff with the gray parrots and it, like. Oh, the gray parrots and the, and the, the sea spiders. Yeah. <laughs> just connect, just, just like, just like, sea spiders. like you think it's because, because he does have this very kind of like kind of laid back kind of not like I mean not a little bit like Jeff Lemire like he, he'll just go into little vignettes about people's past which in the middle of like a genre book but then he just 
then immediately, like almost like either at the end of the issue or the next issue, it'll pay off and like be something really just like like a like a big like what the fuck or a big like scary moment with the spiders. And he it's just it's just good. He's just really good at like parceling out information like just the right time to make you um, even more invested. Which yeah, like like this was obvious. Like it was it was it's obvious like this was planned to be like an ongoing series, which is awesome that Dark Horse had had the faith in. You know, it's Matt Kent. I mean, God, you got to give. Yeah, like I had, had the faith in him to um, do an ongoing series for sure. Um, so, Brian, what did you, you think about Department H? Um, I absolutely loved it. I mean, just to say it bluntly, um, <laughs> it's the the melding of of science fiction, family drama, horror. I mean, it's it's just kind of has everything, um, you know, and also. I think we've been reading books recently with unreliable narrators, and I'm sure there's a lot of unreliable narrators. Uh, I mean, I don't know much about the series past the first story arc, but I like the fact that Mia at this time seems like an overly reliable narrator because because she has the the um, you know the the photo memory, and so she remembers everything, and it's it's kind of a it's it's a it's definitely a different you know breadth because even though obviously having a great memory and being able to recall things is is such an asset for for her line of work and as well as you know when you're when you're listening to a story you want to hear someone that, that can kind of recall it 100% but at the same time it shows like the detriment of it because because of her emotions and 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 her and you know and her past is not allowed to die so she has a lot of baggage and and that baggage definitely comes to play so it's it like the narration the 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 writing just absolutely wonderful um the artwork i mean you guys definitely said everything i was going to say about the artwork the colors the line work it's just it's 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 just like i don't know it's just almost one of those near perfect books <laughs> yeah i love i love the layout i love uh the layouts that that kent does when they're you know going into the ocean like it's not like some some bullshit like under the sea whatever it's like he's like straight up drop like vertical panels um yeah because like the ocean is scary as fuck like we don't know what's down Scary there. Scary as it's, fuck. It's I mean people forget this, but it's it's truly the final. I mean James Cameron doesn't forget this, but um, it's truly the <laughs> it's truly the final. It's like it's truly the final frontier, and it, I mean we don't know much. And in, and just and just I like read you know I read about like and it's, the book does a good job of showing it's like just like pressure like all the pressure and like if your suit goes out like you're 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 fucked like you're you're gonna you know you're gonna get you know taken water and that's why it's so scary with raj i'm like i'm like how the hell did he survive like just one of the i thought cleverest things about the book was all of the different designs he used he thought about the ocean differently than most people think about the ocean which i really liked yeah he doesn't go and, and you could read about this in the back matter but he did he he thought about using aliens at first but then he's like he, i mean he's probably like oh the abyss is is already a thing like yeah. screw that like <laughs> so he actually yet yeah, uses like actual like ocean i'm just gonna say i'm gonna sound so stupid like ocean, ocean critters. 
But those, yeah. but those, 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 those spider things are just like crazy. Oh, terrifying. Scary. Like, oh my, like, oh, man, I think this has just been a week for crazy spider things. Cause I think this episode, the episode of Mandalorian that came out this week um, had some crazy spiders in it too. And I'm just like, and someone, this is not a good week. I, I mean, I'm not, I don't have like arachnophobia, but I'm like, man, if I had arachnophobia, I would be just incapacitated this week. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I and I only have erectophobia when they're near me. Like if yeah. I'm, if I see them on TV or whatnot, it doesn't bother me. But when, or or if they're actually, let me take that back. If they're swarming, any kind of swarming insect bothers the hell out of me. So oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That that part of um, when the sea spiders are all in that group and they're all coming at me, that that did give me a little bit of a jump. <laughs> you know, it's like oh shit. <laughs> if they could talk. If they, mm-hmm. if they, like, that just would be the most friggin' terrifying thing in the world. And the turtle is one of my favorite images in the book. It's one of my favorite images in comics. It's been a, you know, a Facebook cover of mine multiple times because I think it's gorgeous. Yeah. I, yeah. just this gigantic makes people almost infinitesimally small turtle it's just gorgeous could something like that be down there just distracts from humanity completely i love it just the way he envisions potential underwater just completely baffles me and awed me and i i love this book so much yeah and it, and and that, it makes yeah and that's not even counting, you know, the whole locked room mystery thing, the whole point of the plot. Just, oh, the ocean, it's great. Yeah, it's so much more. I mean, that's what I thought at first. Like, oh, it's going to be them in a submarine the whole damn time doing their Agatha. But then, like, no, yeah. they're not in a submarine at all. Like, barely. No. You know? Yeah. And with everything just going wrong at every second and just adding to the to just the pre- pressure of the situation, you know? And so it's obvious, like, you know, there's probably some manipulation going on and who knows what that is. And it's almost like the thing, like the, like, I, I mean, I've never seen the original thing, but when I say the thing, I mean like the John Carpenter movie. Yeah. And where one of you in this locked room is, is up to no good, at least one of you. I'm almost getting the feeling, and then this is coming from someone, I have not read any other, anything about Department H except for what we just read. And um, it, it, I always got a feeling that it's almost like a group effort going on to the, you know, group conspiracy. So, and the, it kind of gives you, it kind of gives that, that feel. But at, at the same time, I'm just excited to find out later. Yeah, yeah, Mia, I mean, Mia going on and just having such a personal connection and like you get it on the first, at the end of the first page, like everyone's like basic, everyone's, you know, one line basic connection thing. And then, and then, you know, Kent unpacks it throughout the miniseries for the most part, but you're just like, well, um, yeah, maybe she's too personally connected to this situation to be any kind of, I mean, objective observer, but that, you know, that, that's, that would, that's what gets you, gets you the drama. You know, if it had just been a generic investigator type, it would just be another, you know, Oh, cool. Undersea mystery. But like her, you know, having relationships with Lily and Roger and, uh, and then just people just the, her, the way she reacts to different people changing. Like, like at the beginning of the book, I thought like Hugh was like some total badass with like his, his cool tattoos and his like 
take no shit attitude but then the end he's like saying like oh we should just leave this guy like whatever i'm just like uh this guy is really scary and i was and i was really like really happy when when the like sucker punched him um in the back matter when um when Kent had referenced said that Q was kind of based on Queequeg from oh, yeah. Moby Dick, I'm like, ah, that's that does that makes absolutely 100 percent sense. Once 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 he uh, once he said it, like that's cool. Yeah, I don't just the way he, his design just I don't I don't know what's going on there. And see, I love big. Galudi kind of type characters that might be gruff and might kind of be misunderstood and so I instantly like imprinted myself on that character and then I'm like whoa never mind I don't like towards, yeah. towards the end yeah I just well, I just don't know like just his dialect and stuff I'm just like what is this guy's like I don't know I was just I had some, he I had, took, I had some he took me out of it at first because yeah. I it, it made me think uh, like is this an inhumany kind of world like is he supposed to be some sort of monstery type of character like until i read the back matter and it was tattoos i was like is this yeah like some sort of i don't know something else um yeah because I, I mean um i guess he's just a person because queequeg was was an indigenous um pacific islander um mm-hmm. which makes sense now but it's just like no i'm just like getting a little bit into stereotype territory yeah yeah, yeah. i didn't I didn't get there until the back matter. And then that was kind of my thing. And at the beginning I was like, is this guy, what is this guy? But yeah. Which is kind of, which is cool. Cause like, which is kind of sad. Cause like the main character, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, it's just visually, you know, unclear, but it's cool. Cause like the main character is, is Indian. Um, Yeah. Like she's awesome. And yeah, I thought it was really cool. Cause um, this gave me this, this, story gave me a very realistic Johnny Quest vibe you know like more like an adult Johnny Quest not like Venture Brothers adult but like just adult like like kind of more of a in on earth version of Johnny Quest and you know Johnny Quest famously has you know like the Indian sidekick and this I thought it was kind of a cool thing said to have the the family that's questing and exploring be Indian which I thought was a pretty cool choice and executed really well yeah oh for sure yeah i mean the 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 crew is really the crew is really diverse um and you know in in ethnicities and in you know personality and stuff too like and and then like the flashbacks are so fun because you see like i love i like just like the i just was digging those flashbacks like mia like trying like she was like this whole underwater thing being like this whole thing being for she wanted to be in space and then not getting you know her a say because she's a junior crew member and just just this like giant chip on her you can see the development of that chip on her shoulder and then you can kind of see how it there's really good panel transitions that show like her personality now and mm-hmm. um yeah i liked how at the beginning she got the offer to go to space like uh what was his name brian benjamin yeah, the other Blake, the, Blake the, the the billionaire who's her dad's friend said, "I'll I'll give you any amount of money. Lead, go to space again." And she's like, "Let me do this for my dad." 
I don't even know if she likes her dad necessarily, but she's like, give me a second. I'll go to space, but let me do this for my dad first. And it's like, oh, is she going to die down here in the water before she can go back to space, which she obviously prefers? Yeah. Oh, man. The scenes of her dad and like Lily are just like, oh, my, this is like so bad. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, it just uh, not, a, not good. Like, why don't you, you know, be a good father and not, you know, mentor your do- your daughter's friend like, you gotta read volume two <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> yeah, I'm no, excited. No, yeah. <laughs> i speaking of the flashbacks though the black and white in the flashbacks is also something <laughs> was was a great choice you know like yeah just, the like, blue yeah yeah and the, the baby blues yeah i just i would love to we read this week this uh, digitally on comicsology but i would love to because just like the texture of it is so nice and then just it's, and then it's good physical i have three physical okay nice. good yeah because and then just like seeing the the spot black inking too like ooh, like um and and it's just like i don't know like yeah like the the and the line work changes when you go from from flashback and it's not just the typical bullshit like oh we're gonna sepia tone a flashback it's like the line the, the art changes and then as generally the colors change and it becomes like you're in water, and it feels like you're in water. It does. and it's and it's it cool. Like watercolors, yeah. Yeah, because you because you uh, and seeing the process is really like oh, those process pages are so fun, and and just like getting to see how like Kent's like, how am I gonna draw these tattoos? I'm like, how am I gonna do? It? I'm just like, oh, I'll just I'll just Charlene Kent will just you know cover it all in watercolor and make it look, look gorgeous. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, why did you not want she should have wanted eisner for this oh my gosh like yeah yeah no totally i mean the colors really bring you into the story so it's just definitely deserves something i'm a mad supporter of anyone who does watercolors and comics so i'm incredibly biased Mm -hmm. see my very long retweet of renee on the handmaid's tale but I think she did a great job on this book. The colors are so good and so vibrant. And for a, you look at other people that do watercolors on comics and a lot of times they are not as like varied and diverse and just that I'm going to talk about that turtle again. (laughs) That turtle is so gorgeous and just vibrant and diversely colored when compared to the water around it it is just really really darn well done and i don't know a damn thing about making art but just looking at it, it's really gorgeous and it can't be easy so yeah props and it's it's a cool scene because because i mean a lot of it's it's a reminder of like the wonder of the like why they're doing this um it's like a, it's like a symbol it's like a it's a good old symbol um because yeah because they mostly just find bones and weird critters and stuff that Jerome um, freaks out and looks in. And I really liked how they handled the whole Jerome situation. Like, even though he, you know, lost his shit and was, you know, kind of possibly spreading a pandemic that, that Mia still treated him with humanity and still wanted him to get rescued. But, uh, mm. no. But it really brought up the question, like, yeah, you know, of course that's the right thing to do, but then at the same time, is it, you know? So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Crazy just... man, crazy jellyfish. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
but like you you knew that guy was gonna lose in issue one he's just like fucking around. he's like singing and shit i'm like yeah this guy's gonna lose his, his damn mind when the eyes are two different shapes or two different sizes it's definitely yeah. a good sign yeah oh man and like and then and the facial expressions in this book are so good like mm-hmm. like sometimes can't will just just go in and like i think there's one scene where where um it's talking about um raj and uh mia's relationship and you see like in the past when raj is like tearing down mia and then you get to the future where she's you know this incredibly competent scientist and investigator um and with these like you know bold straight ahead eyes but then there's a little bit of sadness like like that she still feels maybe a little bit insecure because of the stuff her brother said in the past and it has an effect on her and but even so it's she's he's family he's her only family who's left so she's gonna you know fucking go out and do crazy underwater shit to find him and you can <laughs> kind of tell that her brother's kind of upset that she didn't come with him too like there's definitely that on his face as well there's there's that break there and i appreciate that there's a lot of expression in both of them yeah i just like i love like nothing's you know nothing's broad brush and it's like the, just the, the family dynamic is just so complex and we and yeah we don't get we don't get everything in the first line but we get we get just enough to keep us going for sure mm. there's definitely a feeling of betrayal both in both mia and raj that's that's going to be interesting to see how that kind of delves out. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is this, this is awesome. Like, and and I, I love the designs on the suits they use. They're very, um, they're not your typical. They, they're very kind of organic and not like actually look like sea creatures and something that you know some some high tech R and D thing like you know Department H would do. Um, and I just, and I, I love how, you know, they kind of connect to the story as well. And, and then we get to see some of the older models too, and they're not as effective, but you get a little bit of a nostalgia vibe from them. Kind of like, you know, when, 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 uh, whenever they bring like in the Iron Man comics, whenever they bring out like the old, the old armor, you're like, it's, I mean, Mark one is a piece of shit, but I mean, come on. It's like, it's the first one. I mean, <laughs> And so it shows there's history and that they've put yeah. effort into making it better and there's there's thought into it and I appreciate that. Yeah, oh yeah, there's 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 a whole oh yeah, I mean there's I mean in I mean there's a bunch more issues. So there's like so much like backstory that we don't know yet, but there's like hints at it and stuff, which I think is super cool. Um and it's it's like a must for any ongoing series. Like your first arc, you know, you want to hook the readers. You get Everyone goes. Everyone goes for the murder mystery angle, but it's not really a murder. It's kind of like Wicked. You know, this book has nothing to do genre-wise with it. Wicked, with the whole like everyone thought that Wicked was a murder mystery in its first arc, but um, it wasn't. Like it gets you with that basic hook, and then it just becomes something more and kind of transcends it and adds all these like little like back, background things about characters that you want to you know dig into more. Like the whole character of Roger. Like what the heck. This guy is just kind of seems cool, but maybe not. And I don't know. Like, he keeps everyone going, but um, ah. he's like, I love him. He's just like a walking question mark, and I love it. The motives are interesting. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like we get to know almost like everyone in this comic, except for the, the, who's the, the, the demolition guy, not so much. 
He's barely that. I mean, he comes in like, but he, the thing is, he like comes through. He comes through like, like he, he he's like, okay, let's do this, or he comes through with the harpoons, and he he like knows what's going on when that happens. So, I mean, we had six issues, so well, there will there'll be time for him for sure. Because this is the yeah, they keep it to a pretty limited cast, which is nice. Well, they're stuck in a in a thing. I can't fit too many of them in there. <laughs> yeah, no Gilligan's Island guest stars coming in. You could send more down. Yeah, you could video <laughs> chat. You could send people down to die. Yeah. Trying to rescue them. Yeah, which, yeah, no one wants to, uh, yeah, this is, this situation is just like, yeah, it's too costly. It's too, it's completely hopeless. <laughs> like they're, like they're literally just like blowing up everything and, I am mm-hmm. keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> Please. It's, also, if he spoiled it at this moment, I would still, I would, I'd be totally okay with it because I am very much anticipating what's going, what's going to happen. Very much next. not spoiling it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's a four. I mean, it's a four-year-old comic, but but still. It is. Yeah. But I'm still not spoiling it. But it wants you to, but I don't want you to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This this very much wasn't. I mean, it's it's not a mini series. It's like that's <laughs> twenty four issues. No, yeah. It's but but like it doesn't like it. You know, you 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 have to read issue seven. You can't, you know, you can't stop after this shit. Which is why he's like honestly recording this podcast is so painful right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's but there's. I mean, it's it's cool. We get you know we get a cool we get a cool final page. Like okay, like. It's a like, great final page. That reveal? Like, of or, issue one. Yeah. I mean, of volume one. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's nice. And, and all the, all the narrate, because there's like cool, like the narration is really cool. Um, it's, it's very like kind of like director's commentary on what's going on. Because like, I think uh, Brian mentioned earlier, like having a, uh, you know, hyper, um, hyper reliable narrator is, is it's interesting because you're just like, and which is cool because you have to like, like, it, it, you have to kind of read it slower. You have to, you know, get her commentary. You, you like visually take in the story, maybe you get see the dialogue, and then you get her narration. So you get her commentary on the situation, like her kind of like annotations. Um, but there is like I think there's a moment I really liked it to be like the kind of Sherlock scan moment at the end of the first issue was pretty cool. Um, and it's it was a, it was a, a great way like like to kind of kind of like a teaser like yeah these are some objects you might want to pay attention to. Like, it's mm-hmm. cool. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's it's very like, it's it's like kind of like Clue, but like not cheesy. It's like, yeah, pay attention to these. They're gonna come in handy later. I'm just like, cool. Cause yeah, this is a cool. It's like a cool mystery story for sure. <laughs> it's the cool mystery a story drama. with with family and with like horror elements with a inside of a disaster movie. Yeah. <laughs> And and a tiny, you know, a tiny, a little bit of you know, kind of speculative fiction stuff too, which 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 I like. Um, With a pandemic on the outside. Yeah, oh, there's that. Too. Yeah, I always forget there's a pandemic. Yeah, it's. Uh, but but yeah, but the thing is, like, you're not over. Like, you're never really overwhelmed. Like, can't no, uh, like. Yeah, the pandemic's like the driving factor in the background, mostly mentioned in like the flashbacks a lot of times. But yeah, but it's but it's cool. It's kind of like. Yeah, it's it's cool to see that big picture, um, and especially like yeah, this is why they're doing they're under the sea doing crazy science shit because like I mean yeah. yeah like like I don't know if this I don't want to be 
this is, I don't know, like if, 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 you know, theoretically if COVID went on for decades and decades, I could see people doing crazy. I mean, people already are doing crazy moonshot kind of shit, like doing crazy moonshot shit like this. I mean, <laughs> that's well, what if I, we got something worse than COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what I meant by like the mature Johnny Quest of it all, because in that there's really no purpose of what they're doing. You know, this is super science for super science's sake. And, the, right. and, and this, it's like, there's a problem and we need to fix it. And this is, we're gonna, just going to go under the seat to fix it. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 It's like, it's like, there's like a, like kind of a, you know, more real world background, but then, oh, mm. there's cool suits. There's a cool base that like they do the, yeah. they do the old school, like cutaway diagram, like, yes oh man so yeah it's yeah because like and i think can't mention this in the back matter like sometimes it can be really expansive and freeing and cool and open but sometimes it's like especially like when he draws the he draws those way like the waves of water coming in and filling up the panel like that's where it's like oh fuck they're stuck in this space like anything could happen they could die like yeah this is crazy <laughs> anything could happen they could die the thing he is going to do to them right now yeah. i'm gonna blow yeah. holes in this <laughs> yeah you see it and it's like oh yeah this is really just like a giant ass submarine movie thing like <laughs> oh did you just have a breath of fresh air uh nope i'm gonna blow something up um now speaking about water filling in i love the the chapter and the pages, the page numbers on the side, how it's like a depth yes. chart, and mm -hmm. and the water's slowly going up, because it yeah. also kind of implies that the pressure is going to be a lot higher the further we go into the story. Ooh, I yeah. love that so much. Yeah, yeah, that was a really good design. I don't know. It's it was cool. like a progress board in a video game. I don't know. It was it was but it was a really cool design. Oh man, and each and each little little. Uh, boxes for each issue Whoa. yeah mm -hmm. that is so cool i love that oh my god yeah it's one of my favorite little things it was so cute yeah there's a lot of heart that comes goes into the design and a lot of a lot of thought as well which might as well i mean if you're you know if you're you're writing and drawing the damn thing all by yourself and you know working with a colorist drawing can like collaborator mm -hmm. you might as well you know do cool design stuff that connects to the story like that's that's why like some of these bigger companies like when they when they just turn out some half-assed like photoshopped ass cover for a book i'm like you guys are you know you guys are owned by you know warner brothers tnt or at&t or disney you have a shit ton of money like make the books look good which yeah. I mean, some do like for example like the x-men books are really like tom mueller is like a design god um but i'm like make him you know like look at these books that like literally two people and like i think an editor are working on these books like shame 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 um yeah i just oh man just good design in comics is just it's just like this hidden beauty this hidden art and it just i don't know it's something that you might not think about all the time like lettering or you know even inking or something like that but it's just it just adds so much to a book or takes away sometimes if it's not done well. So it's just, you know, I mean, it's so important. You know, that's what makes comics so much fun to read is that all these little tiny ingredients make such a, a great, you know, a great dish at the end. Sure. Yeah. And, and it, and it does feel, you know, it's like, like two, you know, it's a, you got a chef and a sous chef and, you know, maybe I guess shit, maybe the, 
I know the editor is going to be like quality control or something. Maitre D. <laughs> yeah, maitre, that's what I was going to say. Like a maitre D. Like, like it's like it's legit. Like it's like a fucking like like mom and pop kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Whereas like with movies, it's like like a whole. It's like I don't know, like a factory farm or something. I don't, I don't know. That's yeah. That's touched on why I just like I love comics as a medium. And when people ask me about it, I'm like, yeah, you know, comics it can literally be one person's vision on it. I mean, <laughs> like it's it's that. It's that odd. Like, it's always going to be much less than, than a movie or a TV show. And you're only hindered by your imagination when you're creating a, a comic book because, because um, you know, in a movie or TV show, you have a budget and you have to, and things have to be created for what you're doing too. So it's, that's what also, it's just there's so much freedom in comic making. Yeah, but, but artists, some artists, like the, the, those big group shots, like, that that'll definitely make your artist tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Kind of limited by time. Sometimes. No yeah. deadlines. Gotta... No deadlines. <laughs> yeah, and you're just yeah. But that's that's why I like that's why I like writer like like if I see someone's like a writer or artist like I'll, even if it you know doesn't look like something will be interesting I'll, I'll give it a shot because I'm just like that's just like one person's imagination drawing their favorite things. And you know if they if they you know if it's not a good comic like hmm, at least they gave it a shot you know mm-hmm. so cool all right did 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 folks have any last thoughts on Department H Volume One Darcy I think I pretty much said everything I love it I won't say anything much else because I'd probably give something away read it read all of it it's excellent finish it if you started it maybe. Yeah, right. I definitely want to. What the fuck? <laughs> why am I? Why am I on this podcast right now? I need to read issue seven. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian? Um, yeah, pretty much everything I've I've said, and I'm I'm kind of mad now too because I'm already a week behind on my weekly comics, and now I'm going to probably be even more because I'm going to binge this <laughs> before I read more more weekly books. So, the rest of the, the rest of the series. Yeah, I think I mentioned this in last week's episode of Maids, but I like how Matt Ken is another artist who draws great eyes. Uh, like, especially like, like in uh, I think issue issue three when Lily and Nia are teaming up, and there's not a lot of dialogue, but you can tell like the history between them through their eyes. I think in my notes I put like crazy eyes. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's this 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 book is just it's it's a feast, you know. You get so many levels of communication. Um, it's it's like it's like it's it's a comic that's meant to be savored, and and there are big you know there's big splashes, but they they earn the splashes. You earn the turtle, you earn the cool suit, the cool ship. So yeah, definitely, <laughs> I definitely want to read the rest of the series <laughs> for sure. Cool. All right, so then we're gonna to wrap up the episode. We're gonna do our looking forwards. So, Brian, which uh, indie comics are you looking forward to this week? Well, speaking of very expansive and uh, and writer, like works and writers and writer artists uh, creators, um, I have Planet Paradise, uh, which is an original graphic novel coming out from Image, uh, written by Jesse Lonergan. Uh, the uh, earlier this year, he had come out with Hedra, which was that silent comic. Um, and after reading that, he just instantly got on my uh, my must read anything by them club. <laughs> and uh, there, there's there's not much that 
I know about Planet Paradise, except that the story takes place on another world, and the art and color work is just going to be absolutely breathtaking. Um, but with 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 the um, the setting of this graphic novel and um, and what the story was in Hedra, I'm also actually wondering if this is a a continuation of that story, be, because the whole point of Hedra was trying to find new planets, and this one takes place on a on a what seems like a a planet has that has no life. Or except for the two main characters. Now, whether or not it's going to be a silent book, I don't know. But either way, I'm I'm game. So we'll see. I love silent books. Yay, silent books. Yeah, I feel I feel Lonergan is like, like I had no idea how this guy was, but this but this year everyone's talking about him and like mainstream fans, indie fans, in between people. He's just like Hedra just blew up. Um, it did. And just with the way it was packaged, and I still haven't read it because I suck, but I, I will probably the end of the year. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it sounds really good. Uh, so Darcy, what were you, what were you looking forward to this upcoming week? I am doing something weird because it was a weird week for me, and I saw this and I was like, "Hey, what are rules?" So uh, <laughs> Kato Kume's illustration book for Spice and Wolf by Yin Press. I did like a month of um, manga. And manga is mostly black and white. And so we don't really celebrate a lot of color manga artists. Uh, and um, a lot of times they'll put out illustration books for uh, manga artists who do color work. And uh, this is one of those. Uh, it's been out for a while in like Japanese and English. Or excuse me, Japanese and French, but it's now being put out by Yen Press in English, which is kind of weird since it is kind of an illustration book. Why is it being translated into English? Well, it is. Um, it's it's just a thing. It's got words in it somewhere, so now it's being translated into English. The captions, I don't. I guess. Yeah, captions, a couple of other things. Essays, yeah. I don't think I, I'm not entirely sure if the, I looked at some of it. I'm not sure if there's essays, but I think oh. it's probably just captions. But if you've read Spice and Wolf, uh, Spice and Wolf is a manga about a, um, a wolf god who, or she's kind of like a wolf spirit, but she's considered a wolf god of a town who is tired of being the wolf god of this town. And so she hooks up with a traveling merchant and they go kind of around the world being traveling merchants. And it's some people consider it kind of dry but it's really not it's a lot of fun it's kind of very much about the economy and being merchants and it's kind of sexy because Horo likes to get naked sometimes when she transforms into a giant wolf spirit <laughs> so it's kind of sexy and it's kind of about the economy it's fun for everybody um, but the art is gorgeous and the covers are amazing uh, Kato Kame is just a really really excellent illustration work and so if you like color manga work if you look at the covers of manga and you think oh i wish the whole manga was like that i don't like black and white stuff this is the sort of thing to look at um so i i i like black and white manga work i, I like manga i'm perfectly happy with it always being black and white but sometimes you just like colors I like colors so this is the sort of thing every once in a while I like to get my hands on because they're gorgeous and I'm really stupid excited about it so this is my looking forward for the week 
That's kind of interesting because like, I feel like with Western comics, like there's such a, for the, there's such a big, big deal on like artist editions that are just the black and white line art. Mm-hmm. Like normal, yeah, it's kind I mean, of the reversed. Or maybe, I know there's one thing, like I know that there's that <laughs> fancy edition of Watchmen that has like the color holds and stuff in it. So people maybe look, look at that, just like the basic color holds or the basic color guides, but like they want to see like the line, the raw pencils mm-hmm. or you know, the raw line art. But on this, you want to see the color. So it's like, it's kind of cool. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. No, is Spice and Wolf only 10 years old? Is it much older? Because I'm not entirely sure when it finished. Because I remember this being, this is actually one of the first books that my my wife, Carrie, introduced to me when we started dating. And actually, our 15th dating anniversary was earlier this week. So, mm, um, so. But and but I could just be wrong on the timeline, and <laughs> it might have been that a little bit later after we were married. But like, no, I I read the first few arcs of this, and and I I really enjoyed it. So definitely want to see it in color. So this yeah. it, cool. it came out in two thousand six, yeah, and it was a okay. hundred chapters. So I'm not nice. sure entirely when it finished, but it started in two thousand six. And we started dating in November two thousand five. So that sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah, for when it came over or whatever, yep. yeah. We had a 10-year run. Had a Nintendo DS game. VR <laughs> game. Lol. <laughs> okay, so yeah. Um, what I'm looking forward to this week. Uh, so back to Library. So at Library Con, there are a bunch of booths from different companies. One of the companies there was this uh, publisher called Ablaze. And one of the, their... They, they just seem like a very, very diverse publisher. Lots of different types of books. But one of the things that caught my eye there was they have translations of these French Conan the Barbarian comics that are supposed to be, unlike the Dark Horse stuff and the Marvel stuff that's currently published, it's like uncut, more true to the source material Conan. So I picked up the first one and they've done like the different Conan story, like the big stories, like the Queen of the Black Coast, and apparently they can't use a name Conan. There was actually a big lawsuit that they they won and they made a big deal about because like of Conan's public domain in the U.S., but I guess he's not in other countries. I don't know. I, I haven't really d- dug into this. So, but they had to call the book. They can't call the books Conan. So the book is called The Camarian, and it's by um, Jean David Morvan, uh, Regis Hotier, Pierre Allery, Didier Cassegrain, and Olivier Bettine. So it's like a French uh, translation of French Conan comics, and it's just like pure utter violence and just i don't know it's just like not holding back um compared to the the marvel stuff so i'm kind of interested to see see how it is so i guess that's what i'm i think it came out a couple years ago but i i just got picked up the train at this this conference so excited that's fun yeah no definitely conan's always a fun fun read yeah so and that's our, I guess that's our episode for this week. Uh, Brian, where can folks find you on social media? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at um, Brygen2814 or Instagram at Brygen underscore CB. Um, also, WordPress, um, sorry, uh, comicsdeservebetter.wordpress.com has all our socials and also has a place to recommend uh, comics to us. So please go there, visit. And Darcy, where can folks find you online? 
I am on Twitter at books underscore serial, and I have a website at booksandserial.wordpress.com. I will probably be putting my sister Carrie reread on hold so that I can write up something on Bubble because, yay, Bubble. Cool. That's awesome. Kind of tie into what we talked in the, about in the show. Exactly. I have to check that out. Yeah. You and should. You, it's great. Cool. And you can find me on Twitter at Midniner Bay, B A E. And on Instagram, I'm sharing, I'm starting to share more of my writing on Instagram at uh, mm-hmm. Pride Parker, P R Y D E. Um, and I'm, I'm writing stuff for graphic policy, still doing my Mandalorian recaps, still covering indie comics and X-Men comics uh, at graphic policy. And I'm also, um, I'm into week two of my uh, project on my own blog, logandaltonwrites.wordpress.com. I, I disenchanted, I'm going, I'm writing an essay on every My Chemical Romance song. And by the time this podcast drops, I will have finished, I brought you my bullets, you brought me my love, and I will be into uh, three cheers for sweet revenge territory. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, writing, I love, I love that album a lot. I love it much better than the first album. So, yeah, I'm excited. Just and, a real yeah. quick question. Yeah, that might be a, a very long question. But what would you say is a good entry level album for My Chemical Romance? Um, ooh, I like. Ah, it's so hard. I like. Did you go through an emo phase ever? Uh, yeah. Um, really? I, like a punk emo phase, yeah. Okay, Definitely. maybe maybe three cheers for sweet revenge then. Um, okay, yeah, do that, yeah. Because I feel like I was gonna say black parade, but I feel like maybe you should build up to that. <laughs> um, and then if you're like, if then you're like, screw that punk stuff, and I'm more into pop. Like I would definitely say Danger Days, but yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Yeah. Thanks. That was a good question. And then you can uh, follow our podcast on CDB Pod on Twitter. Uh, you know, send us feedback hit us up, whatever. And you can also follow Comics Deserve Better on, just type it in Google and you'll find all your uh, podcasts except for Stitcher, apparently. Um, if you use that, Google Podcasts, Apple, um, Spotify, and yeah, just subscribe. Follow, leave reviews, constructive uh, criticism, hate, hate mail, I don't care. But uh, yeah, and just, I don't know. Uh, and you know, enjoy, you know, taking a break. There's less doom scrolling more time for comics so okay. <laughs> time for a vacation some mimosas just yeah. relax get some mimosas and some comics mm-hmm. sure that, that's that's always a good it's always a good plan